Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. This is the first of two episodes where I focus on basic weaves, although we'll talk about three main categories. One of the categories is so big that it needs a whole episode to itself. The other two, small enough that they can share an episode. The most simple type of looms, and, and now I'm talking about looms like Penelope may have been using to weave her tapestries while waiting for Odysseus in the Homeric legends, or the sorts of looms that we see in the archaeological record as being built into homes uh, millennia before the Common Era. Uh, we can see them uh, actually built into the wall of a home, right? So we can find where the wooden uh, warp beam and cloth beam would have been inserted into the wall. And then we can find the little pit that was dug so that the weaver could sit on the floor and have the cloth beam in their lap close to the floor and put their feet into the little pit below. We can find evidence of the clay weights that were used to weight the warp yarns. So we're talking very, very simple looms. These looms can still make a surprising variety of fabrics. We group these fabrics in a category called basic weaves and basic weaves uh, can be woven with looms that have six or fewer harnesses. Uh, the satin weave takes at least five harnesses and so it's, it's still basic but many uh, home weavers have looms that can that have four harnesses this is very common and of course if you want to purchase a, a table loom uh, a rigid heddle loom for example uh, that's a, a category you can look up online and this would allow you to do uh, some some basic weaves so uh, the the basic weaves come in several different varieties and we're going to learn about each of these varieties, uh, what their interlacing patterns are so that we can identify them by looking at the uh, diagrams online or uh, in your textbooks. Uh, and then we can also uh, think about what the properties of those fabrics ha uh, are that have been created by the number of interlacings or the patterns. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. Uh, well, actually, probably the next episode when we talk about some surface characteristics of twill and satin that, that are really obvious even without a pick class. So just to, just to remind you uh, that we use the interlacing pattern to identify these weaves very quickly, right? So a one-to-one, -one, over, under, over, under, is what we call a plain weave. Uh, when we have more than one over, under, uh, such as two-to-one or three-to-one or two-to-two, we're most likely looking at a twill weave. And we'll, uh, we'll look at the twill weave there and see that we can see kind of diagonal pattern in the interlacing pattern. And then once we have four to one or more, we have what's called a satin weave. So over four warp yarns and under one, or over four filling yarns and under one, right, we can have either warp-faced or fill-faced satin. So that's how we would separate these from a very technical level. Let's start with the plain weave category, which includes balanced unbalanced or also called rib weaves and basket weaves. I might push basket weaves into the next episode. We'll see how we're doing for time. 
The plain weaves have this one-to-one -one interlacing pattern that is very familiar from your kindergarten potholder, uh, you know, construction paper weaving activities. Over, under, over, under. The next row, you do the opposite over, under, over, under. So it's the simplest weave. It only requires two heddles, right? Uh, so one to lift each. Uh, so if we only had two yarns, the heddle two heddles would lift one or the other. Obviously we have more than two, depending on the number of yarns in the fabric. And then, so we would need at least two harnesses to make this work. I mentioned before, a rigid heddle loom doesn't actually use harnesses. You could look it up, but it's basically can only do two. It has uh, holes and slots. And uh, so we can figure out that we need two harnesses because the interlacing pattern is one slash one. So we need one harness for each of the one. This is handy because it means that if we have another weave that has, for example, four to one, then we know that we need at least five harnesses. This is the least expensive weave because it's the least difficult to set up. It's very easy to check if it's set up correctly uh, because uh, each harness is being lifted one after the other. We don't have to, uh, we don't have that very subtle switching cost, right? It's just back, forth, back, forth. So cheapest fabric there is. And it's entirely reversible, which is another really great property when it's used for all kinds of um, construction, right? So imagine how annoying it would be if we had, if we were making uh, uh, something, uh, you know, that we were making a bunch of like pillowcases, we had to keep worrying about whether we had the proper side of the fabric or not, right? But we don't have to worry about that because we have a reversible fabric in our plain weave. Another great thing about the very smooth nature of the fabric is that it lets us do a huge variety of finishes. So this is something that we'll see uh, all different kinds of fabrics in a swatch kit are based on a plain weave, right? So organdy, plissé, chintz, flocking, napping, printing, right? They, those are all based on a plain weave. This means that this is the category where you're going to have the most variety of fabric names because it's used for a lot of different things. So we're gonna to have to get a little more specific about how we separate out the plain weave fabrics because there are so many of them. Because the plain weaves have an every other interlacing pattern, it means that every single yarn is interlacing with every other single yarn, which means that it has the most, the highest number of interlacings of any fabric construction, right? And interlacings equals tenacity. So it does not matter what the yarn count is. If the yarns are super tiny and you're using a satin weave, which has five times fewer interlacings, right? Then uh, then you can brag about your higher yarn count, but you didn't actually make a more durable fabric, right? It's not actually higher quality. If you're comparing two plain weaves and you're comparing the yarn count in the two plain weaves, then you can say, oh, this one has more yarns. It also has the same number of interlacings per yarn. So then I could say it's stronger. So uh, if you were asked a question like, you know, which of these two fabrics is stronger, you'd have to ask yourself first, which one of them is a plain weave? Because the plain weave is going to have more interlacings. Then ask yourself how many yarns there are. So the, having the maximum number of possible interlacings of any fabric type means that it has higher tenacity. 
That's another reason why we use these plain weaves for all kinds of finishes. They can really withstand the process. They're very abrasion resistant. They're the most abrasion resistant of any type of fabric. They're the most ravel resistant and they're the most snag resistant. They have the least yarn slippage. The one downside, they tend to have lower resiliency. They do wrinkle more, if you think about it, right? A, a plain piece of linen versus a piece of denim, right? Uh, the, the plain piece of uh, linen is going to wrinkle a bit more. This uh, very nice flat surface, as I mentioned, is really great for finishes. Now, the appearance of these can vary because we can use different size yarns and we can have a different count per uh, inch. And so we can have something that's very translucent and lightweight, something that's not very translucent but still lightweight, something that's fairly heavyweight. Of course, I've mentioned the balance, right, that we could have balanced fabrics and unbalanced fabrics and in fact the difference in balance is sometimes the definition so a percale and a broadcloth are both medium weight plain weave fabrics but the percale is balanced so the same number of warp and fill yarns whereas the broadcloth is unbalanced a higher number of warp yarns uh, so it took a bit longer to set it up on the loom but once it was ready to go it wove more quickly because it used fewer filling yarns so those are some just different things to know about plain weaves. Now the balanced plain weave, right, has that one-to-one -one ratio and the warp and fill yarns are going to be of similar size. And again, you can identify it by fringing the edges in the warp and fill direction and looking and comparing them. If the uh, uh, warp and fill yarns seem to be roughly the same density in the fringed area, then you know you're looking at a balanced plain weave. So let's go ahead and split them out into subcategories and name the different fabrics in these subcategories. The first category we're going to start with are lightweight plain weave fabrics. And these include cheesecloth and uh, crinoline. And uh, those are both low count lightweight plain weave fabrics. So cheesecloth and crinoline both have much fewer yarns per inch than your average plain weave fabric. We will use carded yarns for them because we don't need to worry about uh, packing the yarns more closely, so we don't have to comb them. The yarns will likely have an average twist uh, because we're not doing any additional finishes where a lower twist or a higher twist might be valuable. And they are, by definition, going to have a low thread count. And we use fabrics like uh, cheesecloth to, uh, for gauze to make, uh, for example, during the 1918 pandemic, they made uh, face masks using uh, gauze, right? And uh, we'll use it for support fabrics inside garments as well, right? Uh, sort of a scrim uh, inside tires, right? So uh, low, low count fabrics are useful for providing a bit of support. Now, high count lightweight fabrics, we need to use combed or filament yarns to get them small enough. The yarns will also be very twisted, again, to make them small enough. We still want the fabric to be very light, right? But we want to get a higher thread count. And this can include fabrics like uh, Georgette, which uses a very high twist, a crepe twist yarn, or a voile. Uh, which does not use a crepe twist yarn, so that's the difference between uh, Georgette and Voile, right? They're both of similar weight uh, and similar count, but Georgette uses the crepe twisted yarns. Uh, Organdy is uh, made lightweight by having a special finish applied. We'll learn about that later. And we would use fabrics like this for sheer apparel textiles, lightweight tops, maybe drapery. 
Now, when we get yarns that are a bit thicker, right, slightly larger yarn size that are carded, combed, filament, whatever, right, then we would be able to make a lightweight fabric that is opaque. And we can do it with various fiber contents, wool, cotton, rayon, linen, right, uh, because uh, we are uh, not going for sheer. Uh, Batiste is an example of a lightweight, opaque uh, plain weave made from cotton. Shally is a lightweight, opaque plain weave that has a print on it, and Shally can be made from any fiber, so a wool Shally or a rayon Shally, and it's a lightweight fabric that has a soft, uh, uh, soft hand and a small print on it, um, uh, which is different from calico in that calico is all over printed. Shally will typically have a very um, uh, uh, spread out print. Uh, medium weight plain weaves are actually the most numerous types. So with medium weights, right, that's when we get into calico. So a bit heavier, the Shally is lighter, but similarly printed like calico. Uh, and we will typically just use carded yarns for these medium weights. We need to get more yarns into an inch, right, and um, pack them in to make it a bit heavier, and so we'll twist the yarns a bit more tightly. Gingham is an example. Gingham and Chambray are both yarn-dyed uh, medium weight plain weaves. Uh, muslin is unbleached when we dye it, we get what's called brocale, and then when we print on it, we get what's called calico. And these can all be used for bed sheets, curtains, quilts, uh, summer clothes, uh, tops, right? So medium weight plain weave fabrics. When we get into heavy weight or bottom weight or suiting weight, right, depending on what you call it, we only have a few uh, plain weave fabrics that are this heavy. We have to get very big yarns. So yarn size has gone up. Typically, the twist of the yarn will be lower to help make the yarns bigger. The more you twist it, the smaller it gets. Uh, and these will often have just a lower thread count because the yarns have to be so big. We'll go with carded yarns because we don't, we don't need to reduce the size of the yarn by combing. Examples include tweed, or uh, that's made from wool. Butcher cloth is made from cellulose fibers. Uh, hop sacking is uh, a, a very uh, loosely woven heavyweight fabric um, that uh, is typically made from wool, but can be made from synthetics as well. We use this for suits and coats, also any kind of outerwear, uh, capes, and uh, bags, rugs, these sorts of things. Obviously, butcher cloth would be used for aprons. So those are all of the uh, main categories of plain weaves, right? Uh, balanced plain weaves. We start with lightweight, which had the subcategories of uh, sheer and opaque. And sheer was subcategoried even further into low count and high count. And then we had medium weight and heavy weight. And you could see the important thing is to be roughly able to um, pick up a piece of fabric and say, all right, I can see with my eyes that it's a plain weave, roughly how heavy is it? And then you could be in the right ballpark when you name some names that you thought that fabric was. Now, unbalanced plain weaves sometimes are also called rib weaves. And that's because when we pack in those, uh, uh, those um, extra warp yarns, right, um, we end up with um, 
the filling yarns typically being much larger than the warp yarns, which creates this distinctive crosswise rib effect because the filling yarns, even if the filling yarns aren't that big, the warp yarns are necessarily much smaller than the warp yarns to get twice as many of them in the same space. Uh, poplin is an example of a very common uh, uh, rib weave, right, or, or unbalanced plain weave. And again, I always confuse poplin and percale, but then I remember that poplin has the pop as my finger pops across the top, right, of a rib. So poplin is the one with ribs. Uh, of course, we could sometimes create this larger filling yarn by actually using bundles of yarns. So things like rugs are made with this unbalanced plain weave as well. Uh, some names of fabrics that we might see are, are fabrics like taffeta and files, spelled F-A-I-L-L-E, and they're both prized for the uh, distinctive ribbed appearance that creates a little noise, a little bit of scroop as they scrape against each other. And uh, other fabrics include grain, which is used for ribbon. Gro means big, right? G-R-O-S means big in French, and grain literally is like the grain of the fabric, so it's big grained. Um, and uh, these unbalanced plain weave fabrics, this ribbed texture gives them uh, 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 a nice visual appearance, right? And as I mentioned, the scroop. But we do have to worry a bit about the larger filling yarn slipping around we have to worry uh, that the fabric isn't doesn't drape as well well maybe not a worry right if we're making a ball gown for example where we want it to stick out really wide like you know hey I'm dancing here stay out of my way then having a, a bit stiffer fabric is wonderful right having it have less drape that's great uh, they are less abrasion resistant and that's because those warp yarns are lifted way up high onto the top of that big filling yarn and they can break along the rib line. You know what's another kind of uh, ribbed fabric? We don't think about it very often, but have you ever seen a military metal that has uh, different colored stripes on it? That is a type of fabric called rep. Uh, I believe rep is short for repton, which is the name of an English public school public is means private in England um, so an English private school and the um, school ties would be made with repton and not like a, a necktie but potentially like little bow ties that they originally wore and so if you have a metal then the metal will be if it has colored stripes on it the, the metal uh, the of honor will be hanging from uh, a piece of fabric called a repton and so it's very similar to a grain ribbon, but grain it doesn't have colored stripes in it. And then lastly, there's a fabric called Ottoman, after the Ottoman Empire, after Ottomans, which were low stools. And uh, so this type of fabric, Ottoman, is an unbalanced plain weave that's very common in upholstery. So believe it or not, I have now covered uh, most of the fabric that you need to know about for basic weaves in order to look smart when you're talking about fabrics. Uh, in the next episode, I'll talk about basket weaves, which are still a category of plain weaves, but have a different thing going on. And then I'll talk briefly about twill and satin, because there's just kind of not as much going on with twill and satin. Like as soon as I've said twill and I've said satin... I pretty much named the fabrics in those two categories. So uh, there's just not as much to talk about with them.